the people who think they're like really smart, they get their advice from a coach and then they go, I think that's good, but I know how to make that better. Mm -hmm. Whereas the people who win, they get the advice from the coach and then they do it all exactly as they are told because the coach knows it. So you have a passion for fitness and the desire to start your own business, but launching a massively successful fitness business is extremely complex. The systems, operations, hiring, firing, coaching, sales, and marketing are critical to success. Where do you even start? This show will give you the answers. Here is Bedros Koulian and Bryce Henson, your hosts of the Fitness Franchise Podcast, a show dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs launch and grow successful gyms. Welcome back, friends, to another amazing episode. And before we get today's show, I want to encourage you to give us a like and subscribe on YouTube and write us an awesome review on iTunes. That way we can keep producing this content for you for free. So to introduce today's guest, who's a friend and mentor of mine, who's also known as the most disciplined man in the world, even though he was born lazy and introverted with crippling panic attacks. Now, he built Turbulence Training, his fitness business, to over 151,000 customers and over 15 million YouTube visits. He also owns EarlyToRise.com, and his first book, The Perfect Day Formula, has helped over 35,000 high performers own their day and take back their life. Now today, Craig coaches entrepreneurs to make more money and work less by using techniques in his Wall Street Journal bestseller, Unstoppable, and his new book, The Perfect Week Formula. Craig Ballantyne, welcome to the show, my friends. Dude, Super this is gonna be awesome. All right, well, we've been trying to get this on the books for a while. Super excited we're here. Before we jump into value, we'd love to hear the backstory. Yeah, so grew up in Canada, grew up on a farm, wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League. Did you know that? I did not. Okay, so that's that was the thing that I wanted to be. I knew that pretty early on because I couldn't play in the league. Uh, you know, just Canadian boy, loved hockey. And so got into that and then was going to school and was like, okay, got to get a kinesiology degree or exercise science. And then, you know, got to become a strength coach, but you got to become a personal trainer before that. So I did the personal training thing. And you realize, I realized pretty quickly that I'd much rather sit behind a keyboard and write and talk about that stuff. Uh, you know, just before this, you and I were talking about the newsletter that I still send every Saturday. Yep. So I write thousands of words a week and I loved it. And so I started writing an email newsletter back in 1999. Okay. Uh, I had at one point, Bryce, I had 3,000 email names in a Word document that I would copy and paste and send out. So I, I would send out an email newsletter. So email newsletters are the bomb. Uh, email newsletter in 1999, I sent it out to 3,000 people through a Hotmail account, but you could only send it out to 50 people at a time. It took me an hour and 15 minutes to send it to every of those 60 groups of 50 people. Nice. Yeah. So I did that for like two years before I had a website. Then I sold my first fitness program, Turbulence Training. Um, actually, it wasn't called Turbulence Training yet. It was some, called something else, uh, Get Lean or something. I sold a Word document through a PayPal link to somebody for $70 on January 28th of 2001. Your first info product. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I and they contacted me because I had started writing for Men's Health magazine in 2000. So I started that newsletter in 1999, and then this is a big lesson, everybody. Um, I just sent it to the fitness editor, Lou Schuler of Men's Health magazine, and he's like, "Yo, this is actually pretty cool. We'll put one of these things in the magazine." I'm like, "What?" I was 25 years old at the time, and I I wrote for them on and off for 17 years. The last thing I had in men's health was 2017. And the reason, and this is another big takeaway, um, is the reason why I was able to write for the magazine is because they need to fact check stuff. So they would come back and say, hey, you know, you said this just on triple check or double check. And most people wouldn't get back to them for like five days or 10 days. But magazine people are like the most overworked and underpaid people. They're like personal trainers. They're overworked and underpaid. And I got back to them so fast that they kept on saying, well, okay, great. This guy's easy to work with. I'm going to give him more work. Mm -hmm. So make it easy to work with you. On that note, before you interject, I feel like yeah. your tagline on your emails now is like money or success like speed. Success, success loves speed. Delay kills dreams. Success loves speed. doesn't matter what it is, you know, going up and talking to that girl at the bar or, um, you know, 
pulling the trigger on a very important decision. Like if you just sit around and hum and ha, you'll never get it. You got to go and put your stuff in front of people. You got to get your videos out. You got to do all the other stuff because your competition, the gym down the road is, is going to be, you know, eventually coming up and you got 17 gyms in your area. Somebody's going to be faster than you if, mm -hmm. if you're not taking action. So success loves speed. Delay will kill your dreams. So I realized I, I was not going to be a strength and conditioning coach because I was very introverted at the time. And so it took a lot of energy for me to be in the room with athletes. I was wiped out by the end of the day, even in the personal training that I did for a few years. I was always, I was up in the morning working on my online business first thing. And then I had to go train people from six to 11 and then a couple hour break to work out and have lunch. And then from like three to seven and then home. And I tried to work at night, but I mean, by then it was like poking, if like keeping my eyes open in front of a computer was like somebody was poking the like glass into my eyes. It hurt so much. So I realized, okay, I got to get this done in the morning. And over time, what I did, I had this transition where when I'd make more money, I'd start cutting back on the hours in the gym. So from 35 hours a week as personal trainer, the busiest I ever was to then okay, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take out Thursday afternoon, all right? I'm gonna sacrifice a bit of income because I'm making, a, I'm making, I'm losing this much income and I'm making this much online, but I know that if I don't break the cycle, if I don't give up this income on a Thursday afternoon, mm -hmm. then this is never gonna grow. Right. And when I did, I gave up that income on a Thursday afternoon, I was able to go and spend four hours working on my business and it was like, oh, all of a sudden the business started to grow. So when, you know, when you're growing your personal training and you're doing it as a side hustle, you got to sacrifice something else. You might have to tighten your belt for a couple weeks, but then your, your personal training or your gym is going to grow. You got to make that sacrifice. And so I would just, okay, got Thursday afternoon, then it was Tuesday afternoon, then it was um, Wednesday afternoon, then it was Thursday morning. And I just started like slowly and methodically getting out of the gym as the online business grew. And the more time I gave the online business, the more it grew. And so we were selling eBooks all the way up until about 2011 is when we started selling our first videos. And then we just started selling a lot of, we did um, YouTube videos in 2007. And actually maybe it was around 2008 or nine, I started selling DVDs, nice. DVDs. Upgrade. Um, but it, in, it was 2000, maybe 12, when I started doing follow along online downloadable workout videos was, uh, you know, so like turbulence training went up and then there was so much competition that just kind of stagnated. And I started teaching people how to sell fitness programs back in 2007. I had my first business seminar in 2007. Vince Domani was there, Mike Geary was there, all these, uh, Alan Cosgrove was there, a lot of uh, famous people were there in the fitness industry. Um, and so I was coaching people, but my fitness business was just kind of stagnant because I've been selling the same thing for so long. And so I came up with these body weight workouts and it allowed me to jump the fitness business up again. And you know, so many Fit Body Bootcamp owners helped me out, like Shauna Kaminsky and Brian Calake and um, Ray Ortiz and, and Daniel Woodrum. They were all in my turbulence training or uh, home revolution body weight workout videos. And we sold those for a long time. And that was actually my best selling product. And along the way, I opened up some Fit Body Boot Camps with Daniel and Ray. Mm -hmm. uh, I was never, I've never visited them. I'm just the, uh, just the, a partner in them. But man, they're they're really great leaders, and we grew those businesses. And so uh, I'm still in the fitness industry today as a gym owner that's never been to the gym that I own. There you go, silent uh, partners. The way yeah. So that's the backstory. <clears throat> Awesome. Well, uh, speaking of famous people in the fitness industry, we share uh, a c common, very close friend, mutual business partner in Pedros Koulian. I'm curious. Uh, Pedros. <laughs> Pedros. Uh, Pedros Koulian. As he formerly was referred to, but uh, we go as by B. Uh, between <laughs> us both. Um, tell us the backstory. How'd you guys connect and kind of, you know, I'm curious on how that came to be. Our audience would, would like to know. Yeah. So I must have gotten on his email newsletter list probably 2008 maybe when he was on Fitness Business Summit two or three. And I'm like, okay, because I was pretty skeptical guy, by, guy back then. So I was just looking for a reason to say, no, this guy's just a joke or I don't like him or whatever, but he couldn't, couldn't come up with something. It's just like, okay, he's actually putting out great stuff. And then 
I don't know why or who did it first. I think it was me first, but I sent him a book. I don't know why. Uh, I, was, I sent a lot of people a lot of books over the years, but I'm pretty sure I sent him a book first. I have no idea how I even got his address or got it to him or whatever. Then he sent me one back, and then the next thing you know, we started chatting, and he sent me an email, and he said, I'm starting a mastermind. Do you want to join? And that, that was it. Like He started a mastermind by sending me an email, and I, I don't know, I sent him 9000 or 12000 bucks and joined his mastermind you know, just like that. And uh, Vince joined as well. And there was, uh -huh. um, man, maybe Josh Carter was in that one. And so joined that in 2009. We hit it off really well. And um, a few of us decided to start another mastermind group for online fitness folks. And there was four instructors at the start, but eventually Bedros and I just said, oh, these other guys are too busy, so we're just gonna take it over. So we ran that from about 2010 to 2016. Then we took a little bit of time off, and then we started the Empire Mastermind, and now that we've taken some time off because he's just so busy with all the other stuff, and um, obviously the last year has been a little bit wacky. So we, uh, that's how we met and connected, and man, we've been, We've been to Europe, we went to Scotland, England, I think that's, uh, and then we traveled all over America. And he's come up, he's actually come to my mother's house. Bedros, Di, the kids that came up in, in Ontario. Uh, yeah, in like April of 2018 when they were up in upstate New York and then they drove up and they actually came to my mom's house for dinner. Look at that. Yeah, he loves my mom, that Bedros. Oh, what, what a guy. <laughs> um, on, on a business note, what would you say, because I think it's fair to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've added a lot of value to him uh, with blind spots in business, and then I think it's also fair to say he's done the same for you. So yeah. can you talk about that dynamic and the value you've added each other? Yeah, so this is a really great lesson for anybody that's that's thinking about having a business partner. Generally, Bedros and I say don't have business partners. Right. Um, there's a lot of of things that can go wrong, you know, for, and then you got to split the money. And a lot of people are getting a business partner because they're using it as a crutch, or and and oftentimes they're partnering with somebody whose strengths are their strengths. And so you have two people with the same strengths and the same weaknesses, and that's not a good partnership. Bedros and I were a good partnership for the mastermind coaching. First of all, because it wasn't our main business; it was something that we were doing, a very profitable business, um, but it wasn't something that we depended on. Mm -hmm. And, but we both worked like we owned 100% of it, which, was, which is a key with partnerships. But he had the weaknesses of um, discipline and structure, and I had the weaknesses of kind of like social anxiety and introverted and you know, just not a great people person. And I actually made a video about this yesterday. I was at uh, an event, and I went away, and I just had the event in the background, and I said, Listen, I learned to go from being socially anxious to being able to interact with these people. I still need breaks from time to time, but I learned it through modeling him. And so I would watch how he would come into the mastermind meeting room because I was like, man, you know, we would have breakfast for every meeting. And, I, and when he's like, OK, it's time to go. I'm like, oh, man, now I got to walk into this room full of people. <laughs> man, I did not like it. But I would watch him walk in and he would get in and he'd go. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up? You know, it's just like you go around the room, California cool, you know? Totally. And uh, I didn't do it very well at first, but I could then model it and, and almost, um, you know, pretend to be him. And on the flip side, so I remember there are plenty of time, like he and I have had a lot of uh, great dinners all over America at Masterminds and stuff, and he would then go meet people after and he'd be up and eating and drinking and, and then, he'd, then he'd be late for breakfast in the morning and it was because he was, you know, he was either up really late last night or he's getting stuff done in the morning real, and way behind and he was just like, and I was just always on time and like always rested and everything. He's like, what's going on here? Um, so he's got two pages in Man Up about, about that, page 54 and 55 for anybody that's keeping score at home. There we go. And, he just explains like, oh, he just, he did the same thing. So instead of him going and saying, oh, I'm going to watch how he interacts in a room full of people, don't do that at home. Um, he's going to watch instead how I interact around my schedule. And he's like, okay, that seems crazy, but I'm going to try this or that or the other thing. And, you know, he always wanted to have these late dinners. And I was like, let's push it up a bit. And he thought, this is crazy going to dinner before six o'clock. But eventually he got to the point, he's like, oh, I see why he does it. You know, you get... You can still go out to dinner and have fun with people, but then you're home by a reasonable hour, and then you can 
either do a little bit of work or you can go right to sleep and get up in the morning and crush the stuff. And you know, now he's, he's got a morning routine that's as dialed in as anybody. And it was just that, oh, here's, here's where I'm strong, bro. Let me help you out. And, and hey, man, I, hear, I see where you're weak. Let me give you some, some tips on that. And it wasn't like formal or anything, but it was just that it was a decade, decade of, uh, of decadence where we would have some really, really great meals, but be able to share that wisdom. It was just through osmosis. Now, you can obviously do a lot faster than 10 years, uh, and that's what our books are about. Sure. But, but that's, that's got so many lessons in there, like hang around somebody who you want to be like, um, you know, the, the old saying is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And if you spend time with people that smoke, drink, overweight, don't work out, you're going, you're going down that road. If you hang around people who make more money than you do, who are stronger, fitter, who are, you know, you know, have more faith than you do and you want to have more faith, who have a better family than you do. I mean, you're just going to absorb the wisdom. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's absolutely key. Um, so shifting gears, kind of we talked about the coaching in your business and your business trajectory. Um, our audience are interested in fitness and business and being entrepreneurs. Um, from a coaching perspective, you know, yeah. what we do at Fit Body Bootcamp, we're a coaching business, both fitness and nutrition. You started out, you know, your your professional career kind of in the fitness coaching business. And now you've kind of transitioned to, you know, high performance coach. Can you talk a little bit about like what the, the coaching business is in general and, you know, really how you've thrived and what to look out for, uh, you know, I think would be helpful for our for well, audience. Well, like what my business looks like or what coaching looks like in general? Coaching in general. Coaching in general. So what coaching in general should be is a real strong focus on the basics and accountability. Like, you should be that consistent, reliable person that your clients can go to, whether you're a personal trainer, whether you're a business coach, and just say, I'm struggling with this. And they need to be able to know that they can always come to you and that you're always going to be there for them. It's mm-hmm. so, so important. But you also need to be super proactive on recognizing their weaknesses mm-hmm. and holding them accountable to doing the things that they know they want to do but won't do. And what we what we see all the time, you've seen this, you've seen this, I've seen this, is that people will say, I want to achieve this goal. And then you look at their actions and they take them in the opposite direction. Correct. And it's not um, that they mean to do it, it's just that they have this subconscious procrastination. And it's like, oh yeah, I'll get to that, I'll get to that, I'm gonna do this first, I'm gonna do this first, I'm gonna watch some YouTube motivational videos first before I go to my workout. Then, oh, I gotta do this before I go to work, I gotta do laundry before, you know, they're doing stuff, Mm -hmm. but they ain't doing the right stuff. Right. And uh, one of my favorite stories about how I was able to help somebody with that, doesn't have anything to do with fitness, but it's our our friend Xander Fryer. And so Xander Fryer came to one of my coaching programs back in the day, and my, my business is not just about helping people with sales and marketing tactics. It's about you know living their perfect life and all that sort of stuff. So we were talking about what he wanted in his future, and he was like, "Man, I just you know I'm getting success in business, but you know I need to go and find the woman of my dreams." And and he was staying in touch with me after that, and you know he was telling me what he was doing in the business and his personal life. And I watched, and I was okay. First month went by, he was helping out one of his buddies. Second month month went by. He was bachelor party for one of his buddies, best man at that guy's wedding. Okay, third month went by. Now he's off helping some other. And I'm like, yo, yo, you said you wanted this and you're going this way. What are you doing? And he's like, man, you're right. You're right. You you got me. What do I do now? And then uh, that was when I famously told him to get public accountability. And he took that to the next level and went and did a Facebook Live to a group of 2,000 people in his business and said, I'm, I'm gonna find the woman of my dreams before the end of the year. This is like in September, right? And all these people were pushing back and saying, oh man, you can't force love and all that stuff. And on the other side, he got a lot of people saying, oh, I would like you to meet my sister and my cousin and maybe my daughter or whatever. So he had some dates and nothing was working. And then he got this message from a girl in Australia. She said, I love, I love your vibe. I know it sounds crazy. And then they had two Zoom dates and then she flew over here for just after Christmas, and now they're they're married. You know, 18 months later or two years later, they were married. Yeah, crazy. Power of public accountability through good coaching, through getting the information and tr- totally understanding what does your client want to achieve. 
what does your client truly want to achieve and why do they want to achieve it, right? Like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Yeah, but why? Why, why man? Yeah. You got to go why, why, why? And then you got to figure out, well, what's stopping them, right? Because a lot of people, when they see discipline, especially in these days or success, they think it's, oh, I got to add the cold shower here. I got to do this here. I got to, you know, join this program. I got to add like 19 things to their thing. But it's often the removal of the destructive bomb that there's that one thing in somebody's life whether it is alcohol which it was for me for me yeah right like okay great bryce and craig they get up early you know six days a week and they work and and then but boom one thing goes off on saturday night right boom blows up and that destroys most people so it's not about the addition it's often about the subtraction of the bad thing which allows people to then have almost automatic success bruce lee has a really great quote he says it's not about the daily increase but about the daily decrease hack away at the unessential so a lot of people have too many activities in their day mm -hmm. and not enough accomplishment and it could be too many things they're trying in their fitness mm -hmm. and not enough focus on the basics so the coach knows the goal they know what's stopping the person. They know why they really want to achieve that. And then you have to be there asking the right questions. You know, obviously, I mean, listen, anybody can give somebody a weight loss program. Anybody can give somebody a hard workout. Anybody can give somebody a diet that's pretty good and effective. But the coach, the good coach, is the person who sees, almost is able to like read between the lines. Hey. They're not consistent at this. There's something here and I'm gonna figure it out. And when you do that, and then when you like, you are able to, um, I guess art and science uh, coaching is because you gotta be able to know who responds to like tough love and, and like really pushing on them and then who doesn't respond well to that and responds better to you know some deeper questioning or to a different way of figuring out way what do you you know what's really stopping you here and that's a little bit of like the science and then the art of coaching. yeah absolutely absolutely because if you take that in your face approach to people to every single one of your clients some people are going to bail on that right now, some people are going to thrive with it right, right as you know bedros and his man up project and modern day night project and all that sort of stuff some people do not like that at all and some people actually will get um, not particularly that style, but there's other programs out there where, you know, if you fail, you're labeled a failure, you, you know, you're, you're not strong enough or tough enough. And it's like, well, that defeats the whole purpose of this. So listen, we can still make that person a successful person. Maybe they just don't respond to this thing. So, so that's where good coaching comes in to get the most out of every single person in the right way. And that, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, on that note, and this is something I learned from you, shoot, probably seven, eight years ago, speaking uh, at one of B's conferences at the time, was the concept of the imposter th syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I feel like at any coach or any new evolution in your life, it's just kind of human nature to fear that way. And for our, our audience who you know are, are looking to take a, the leap of faith into yeah. a fitness coaching business, can you talk a little bit about that imposter syndrome and how to overcome that? Yeah, yeah. So... You know, the thing is, is that you already know more than 90% of people will ever know. You've forgotten more than they will ever know. And so the question I just always ask people is, is do you know enough to help somebody? Yeah, you do. You do. And, uh, you know, one of my mentors had this phrase, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. You can see more than the other people who need your help. And so if you can help somebody, don't let anybody's criticism stop you from going out and doing it and being of that assistance. So you are definitely capable of doing whatever it is that you want to. If you want to go from personal trainer to fit body bootcamp owner or gym owner or whatever it is owner, you can do it 100%. And, uh, and I joke about this, some people take this the wrong way, but I know a lot of very dumb people that are millionaires, very successful in the fitness industry. Um, and, and then I really push hard and I say, you know, especially if you go to fitness competitions and a lot of the winners are not necessarily the sharpest tools in the box. <laughs> and, but thing is, it's because the, the people who think they're like really smart, they get their advice from a coach and then they go, I think that's good, but I know how to make that better. Mm -hmm. Whereas the people who win, they get the advice from the coach and then they do it all exactly as they are told because the coach knows it. 
and then they win, and it doesn't matter if they can't even read winner. You know, they, they, they are the ones that won, and the smart people sometimes outsmart themselves. So don't overthink, and don't think yourself out of success. Don't think yourself out of taking that big leap. You know, I was with uh, Tim Grover over the weekend, very successful uh, entrepreneur, coach, speaker, personal trainer, Michael Jordan, and one of his big things in Relentless, which is a book that really, really helped me, is he just tells people, don't think. Don't think, don't overthink, don't be so overanalyzing things. So don't overanalyze it into a place where, oh man, am I really good enough to do this? Trust me, there's somebody, there's plenty of people that you can help, but there's also somebody who knows like half as much as you do in almost every area of life is already out doing what you think you want to do. So just don't hold yourself back. If there, you know, there's going to be a lot of obstacles in, in your life and in your business. Don't let yourself be one of them. Yeah. yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, last bigger topic around coaching is just the power of the mastermind. And yeah. you know, you've had a lot of success being in them, coaching them. I've been in your empire mastermind, learned a lot. Um, I feel like masterminds are, you know, one of the biggest ways that I've been, you know, able to achieve success. Can you talk about power of masterminds and your experience with them? Yeah. So I think some of the most important things about coaching groups are to be in a room of people that understand you. Because in your, in your day-to-day, if you think like, all right, how many other business owners do I connect with every day? Every day. For most people, it's very little. I connect with a lot because I coach a lot. Yep. But if I didn't coach a lot of business owners, none of my family's a business owner, none of my wife's family is a business owner, um, none of the people that I interact with at the gym are business owners. Actually, there's one guy, he's, got, he's like the 65-year-old Taekwondo instructor with a ponytail and a mustache and like... <laughs> a Trans Am. I talked to him once in a while. He's entertaining. Okay. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, there's no other business owners that most of us come into day-to-day interactions. And so if that is the case, then you're on the lonely entrepreneur island. You're like, man, one of my team members, uh, you know, they, they just quit today. And everybody else would be like, well, I'd love to quit my job too. But no, no, that's not helpful. Or yeah. they're like, oh man, we, you know, we made a lot of money today. Like, you don't want to tell that to a lot of people in this day and age because they're going to be like, oh, hey, you know, give me some of that. Or like, well, you haven't done anything. Yeah, just give me some of that anyways. Or if you lose money, if you're having a hard time, no one's going to feel sorry for you because they're like, yeah, but last year you made a lot of money, so I don't really care. So you have nobody in your day-to-day to talk to you about that stuff. Now, you go to a mastermind meeting, you go to a coaching group, and you sit there around a table and you've got – you know, maybe six or eight people at that table, you got three or four people that are probably making, you know, 10 to 10% to 10 times more than you. Mm-hmm. You're going to get their advice. You got other people who could use your advice. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people in there. If you got, you know, 1.7 kids, they got 3.1 kids. They're going to be able, here's how I run a business and I got more kids than you. And, and they're going to say, man, you know, I'm really frustrated by this. And you go like, I thought I was the only person frustrated by this. That is the power of being able to be in a room of people who share the same mindset as you, share the same struggles as you. And even if it was, you know, even if there was no guru, even if there was no Tim Grover or Bedros or any of these other people who often speak at masterminds, even if there was no, you know, head coach there, mm-hmm. simply being in a peer group, man, sometimes that is the most powerful stuff. And you're going to meet somebody who's like, yeah, you know, I just hired my uh, 10th employee. And you're like, I just hired my fifth. How, what the heck? How do you go from five to 10? Well, let me tell you how to do it. You, know, you go to this website. You're going to put video ups up here. Like, oh, man, I can't even find great people. That, that advice there in two-minute um, you know, side conversation was worth everything. So you, gotta, you also have to be open to receiving information. You have to go and ask questions. But when you're in a group, in a room of people that are just on the same wavelength as you, it's... Man, it's uh, one of the most important things that you can do. It's made me a seven-figure earner, yeah. and uh, you know, hands down. So grateful for you for that, and obviously our audience uh, getting to take advantage of that wisdom. Yeah. Now, speaking of seven-figure um, earner and skill sets, this is something that I've heard you speak on just in the last few months. But you know, I had this huge aha, and let's face it, you know, we all need to make money, and I'm just under the firm belief that if you need to make money to begin with, you might as well do it, you know, something you're passionate about, right? Oh, absolutely. But there are some specific 
specific skills that uh, will increase your ability to make money. So um, for a while you were talking about fourth, but I recently uh, saw you, I think one of your blogs posted about the fifth money-making or seven-figure empire building skill. Um, so I have the notes listed here, but uh, would you be so inclined to kind of give our audience the insight what those skills are and like really the value behind them? Yeah, so we call them high-income skills and there's gonna be five of them. So if you, if you master one, you'll probably be able to make uh, seven figures. Mm -hmm. If you master all of them, mm -hmm. this is where you're able to set your family up for a long, long time. So the first one is generally just sales. Face-to-face, nose-to-nose, toes-to-toes sales. Like if you can master that, and phone sales as well, yep. but if you can be able to sit down with somebody and listen to their problems and then say, I've got a solution for you and get them to actually give you their credit card, not say, I'll, get, I'll, I'll uh, send the money in the mail or not say I'll get back to you, but actually get the money from. Like that's one of the most important skills. And, and I know a lot of people say, I don't like sales, but sales is influence, influence is persuasion. And we all need to influence and persuade people all the time. Right. From you know, influencing your landlord to give you a better deal on your lease, to influencing your kids to brush their teeth. You're selling, in both situations you're selling. And so sales is so key. I mean, if I can go back in time, a time machine like Marty McFly, and go back to when I was 20 years old, I would force myself, I would somehow force myself, uh, no matter how hard it was, to get some type of sales job. Whether it was knocking on doors, even if it was just um, you know, taking orders and trying to get people to upsell, uh, to upsell the person into buying something else. Even at McDonald's, it would have been better off than the manual labor job I did to get good at selling. Because if you can do that, then you can write your own ticket. I mean, you can get, you know, this is like, there's very, very few jobs where you can make really great money and sales is one of them. Yep. Yeah, you know, whether you're real estate sales, luxury car sales, whether you're yacht sales, whether you're phone sales for high ticket coaching, whatever it is, sales is key. Next one is copywriting, which is very similar because it is salesmanship in print. Now, I started out with copywriting because it was conducive to my introverted nature. I sat behind the computer, I wrote sales letters that went on sales pages, I sent out emails that sold, I then created videos that sold, scripts that sold, all of these things, and it was there's, there's a formula in an art and science to it. Like you can you can have a checklist uh, for a sales letter, but it, it won't work because it's not doesn't have the emotion the and the art to it. Mm -hmm. But if you can learn to copy or do what's called copywriting, then you can also make money uh, 24 seven by having your website up and offering product services, whatever it is. So that's key. And I mean copywriting. There's another thing that applies to every area of life. If you want to have like a really great Tinder profile or match profile or whatever it is the kids are using these days, copywriting is key because you got to get people's attention. Then you got to get them to connect with you. And you don't necessarily have to teach them something in a Tinder profile, but you do in an email to your list. And then you have to have some type of social proof in there and then a call to action. And that can be used in a postcard mailing for a gym. It can be used. Um, in an email to a nutrition store down the street that you want to collaborate with. Mm -hmm. Like if you just write boring corporate speak emails, they'll never convert, but you gotta have good, if you have good copywriting, you can definitely do that. So let me interject, like the, how would you say, what strategy you'll learn how to be a copywriter? And, and I asked this, Craig, because if my first career before being a Fit Body Bootcamp owner, I learned how to sell. So yeah. belly to belly, yeah. I, I checked that box. But out of the other four or five skill sets you're gonna go through, copywriting to this day, actually, and I sent you an email last oh, week yeah, about it, right. is my weakest. So what would you say for a guy like me or audience who's, okay, maybe has some experience in some other realms of, uh, of the high ticket skills you're talking about, but really from a strategy perspective, wants to go, get good at copywriting? Man, I mean, there's just so many teachers out these days. There's um, there's the classics, like you know, you got a guy like Dan Kennedy, you got Yannick Silver, you got all these guys with courses and books. And like one of the cheapest things you can do is go to Amazon and get Dan Kennedy's The Ultimate Sales Letter. That'll give you a pretty good checklist and breakdown for it. Now, there's all types of copywriting books out there. There's so many experts. There's YouTube channels mm -hmm. devoted to it. But one, so so I encourage you first of all to go and and learn that way, find somebody who you like as a personality and just learn from them. The other thing that you can and should do is 
say, you know, I love getting these emails from whoever it is. Why don't I just really dissect their emails? Why am I reading these things? What, what gets me hooked into these emails? And preferably from a business that's selling you something. Like Bedros has good copywriting in his emails, and we do as well. And, and there's a lot of people out there doing e um, really great email writing. So you can go and study them. So you learn a lot by observing. Yep. Um, and you combine that with your more formal education and then there's Facebook groups and there's all sorts of things and you can go really down the rabbit hole. But what I do recommend is like kind of find one mentor, you know, maybe, maybe you check out a few at first, then choose one and stick with them. And then no, don't just like skim through the emails that you get, really dissect them and say, what was it about this subject line that made me want to open this email? What was it about this opening of this email that got me to continue reading? Um, and if you buy something from an email, what the heck made you actually buy from the email? Was it the scarcity, the urgency, uh, the social proof, the overwhelming amount of social proof? And it's, again, it's a formulaic thing that uh, looks easy to follow at first. Your first couple of attempts will, will not be great, but then eventually you'll get it. Yep. And, and so selling, then copywriting. Third high income skill is speaking. If you, and, and a lot of that is speaking in videos, mm -hmm. but also speaking from stage and being able to sell in front of a group. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a combination of selling, but just having the energy, transferring that enthusiasm to the other person and it is definitely a learnable skill. Totally. Yeah, so one of the things that I recommend people to do, especially if they're absolutely terrified of video or public speaking in any way, next 30 days, here's a little challenge for you. Every day, make a one minute video with your phone, okay? So hold the phone up there. You don't have to necessarily post it, okay? If you, if you actually make a good video, go ahead, post it in your Instagram stories or on your feed or something, but choose a topic. I mean, you could talk about carrots. You could talk about your favorite movie. You could talk about what you love about your kids. You could talk about what your spouse does that irritates you. You could talk about your favorite trip, uh, you know, where you wanna go. Just talk for a minute. Just talk for a minute straight and you'll learn how to have more confidence when you're speaking. You will also start to have fewer ums and ahs, and then that'll be the kind of like the baseline. So that'd be like your 30-day challenge. Then, twice a week, you're gonna make a three-minute video. So you're gonna go deeper on a topic. And if you wanna use this little formula, like use an attention grabber opening line, then tell a little personal story, then teach a piece of content, then talk about how that content helps somebody. Um, you know, just using that is, that's basically how I write some of my emails, that's how I do some of my video structure. And then once per week, do a 10 minute video. So that's like the length of most of my YouTube videos and go really deep on teaching a topic. And I wouldn't hold your arm up for, for 10 minutes, you know, set it up on a, a tripod or something, but do a 10 minute video. Uh, our mutual friend Jason Capital mm -hmm. once told me that the average person speaks for 12 minutes a day. If you speak for 12 minutes a day, that's like saying if you want to go to the Olympics, swim for 12 minutes a day. You're not going to you're not going to get to the Olympics swimming 12 minutes a day, and you're not going to become a great speaker speaking for 12 minutes a day. So by doing this, now we've added minutes to the to the day of speaking and practicing and being able to take the thoughts in our head and get them out through our mouth. And for me, it was very difficult for a long time, and then. When I wrote my first book, I decided to do 100 podcasts. And since then, I've, I've probably done 600 to 750 podcasts, including the Empire podcast. But I've definitely been on 400 shows of other people, 400 times I've been interviewed. And, and let me interject on that. Yeah. And like, dude, just, just for our audience back home, this is one of the easiest interviews I've done in a very long time. And would it be fair to say it's just time under tension because you're oh, so fluent? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's. So if you think about, imagine you have a topic, right? Like you're, I wanna be on this podcast and I wanna talk about the paleo diet or the keto diet or whatever it is. Like you've got one main topic. Now, if you go on there, you're gonna go on it first and, and what you're trying, your argument, your thesis is not gonna be very well constructed, right? It's not gonna be like the closing argument of a great lawyer. Mm -hmm. They've got practice, right? So. You're going to go on there and you're going to be stuck. You're going to be like, oh man, how do I explain that better next time? And if you do a little review of your performance, you're like, okay, I realize I got to bring more energy at the start. Like, that was one of the things I, I learned in my own stuff. I got to try and get a little joke in there. And if you have a couple of jokes, you can get the timing better. It's just like I, I described getting better at video and getting better at podcasts and telling stories 
similar to like how Chris Rock creates an HBO special. Like he doesn't just wake up and go like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go film an HBO special today. He goes down to the comedy cellar in New York and he bombs. He gets 50 uh, jokes in a night. One of them works. Great. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to perfect that one in future shows. I'm going to toss that other stuff, write more jokes. He comes back. Now he's got seven jokes. Then he comes back again. He's got 14 jokes. Now I got all my material. Now I'm going to refine it. And that's what doing podcast after podcast or video after video does for somebody. It gets you the time under tension, the strength for you to then be able to go. And, you know, now you just like I just flip a switch and I can talk forever, much like Bedros. Then I will actually say, like, if you go back to like the original fitness business summits, Bedros could go up with out slides and any other type of prompt and he could just talk mm -hmm. for 60 minutes or so. When you and I first started our speaking, like we had to have notes or yep. I relied a lot on the PowerPoints. Now, a lot of people, what they do is they have tons of words on the PowerPoint. Maybe they read right off it. I mean, obviously you gotta get away from that really quickly. Your goal, if you are gonna do a PowerPoint is to have the f as few of words as possible, Punchy, like yeah. three words on a PowerPoint and you need to be able to talk for 60 seconds using those three words and eventually you build up to that skill. But it is all a learnable skill. Um, it allows you to build up it, you also need to build up a large number of stories, examples, analogies. People love to learn by analogies. So you might do your first podcast, you know, man, that was rough. It's too sciencey. I got to get some analogies to break things down. Mm -hmm. I need some more stories, case studies, social proof, because people are just listening to me say, well, you know, this study said this and I believe this. Well, how's about I say, like Angie did this, and when Angie did this, she had this result. Oh, I'm People just like get Angie. That yeah, so much quicker. Yeah. So you need to be you become a better storyteller. You learn how to make little connections. You are able to change your energy levels, vary your pitch, pace, and tonality. Become a better speaker. And again, it's all practice. But but if you just go and do them and don't reflect upon your performance, it's just like going and playing a thousand rounds of golf. Like, yeah, you'll get better at first, but then you'll totally hit a plateau mm -hmm. unless you get instruction, expert advice, and you, you do the brutal feedback and go, oh man, I gotta, I, I mean, I watch some of my presentations and everybody hates the, most people hate the sound of their own voice. Now imagine watching yourself and, and trying to improve that, but the greatest bands in the world do it. Like I was told that U2 still watches their concert footage the next day to see where they can get better. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, look at sports teams like, you know, Tom Brady. The guy's the first thing he's doing. He's watching his performance on film right after the game's done. Yeah. Uh, so if a guy like that can do it, why can't we? Exactly. You have to do it if you want to get yeah. better. It's, you know, anybody that's a competitive lifter, what do you do? You watch all the angles of your squat to get better. Oh, you know, because if you don't watch, then you're just guessing all the time. Yeah, man, I love it. And I think just the, audio, the the message to you, the learning lesson here is just, you know, connecting with Greg live on this podcast. Um, so fluid, so easy. Storyteller, ask one question and you're just kind of riffing. Um, it's impressive. It makes my job so much easier. But again, it's just from my observation, you, you probably weren't always like this. No. And one of the things that I was able to develop was the ability to, that was one of the things, is when you don't know what to say next, you can kind of drag out your words without saying um or ah, and then you pick up and go, oh, now I know what to say. And then you pick up that thing in your head. When I first started speaking, it was like as soon as the idea popped in my head, it came out of my mouth. Now what I'm thinking in my head is about three seconds in front of what actually comes out of my mouth. But I was only able to do that by doing a lot of speaking. And now I'm able to avoid those ums and ahs, be able to make the pauses that allow me to collect my thought. And sometimes when people ask me a question, I have no idea what the answer is, but I just start talking. And eventually is, you know, I'm going to start talking. I'm going to start going over this. And I'll tell you what, you really need to understand this. And I'm like, oh, now I know what to say. And then I give the lesson. But my brain has just been conditioned through the practice of doing lots of podcasting and videos to be able to ramble mm -hmm. without people noticing it's rambling until the articulation of the thought pops up properly and then I'm able to spit it up. 
Love it. I also think also speaking for myself, Craig, is like it's about nerves and I'm still getting better better as this go. But I was just delivered a three day workshop in Chicago is probably my best one yet. And, you know, when you don't know the content and when you're new, it's speaking, you want to go quick and like the nerves catch in. 100%. But if you slow it down, like more content comes to you, you can basically look a lot more cool, calm and collected and deliver a way better message. Yeah. So there's a couple of things on that. If First of all, the more that you know the material, the easier it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Of course, when, when everybody starts out speaking, I know like when I started out speaking, when I still wanted to be that strength and conditioning coach, I was, go, I was speaking at a hockey event, 1999, so I'm 24 years old. It was difficult because I didn't, I knew the information, but I didn't know it so well, right? Like Mike Boyle was also speaking there. He knew his information. He had years and years of experience training hockey players. So like he total difference in the expertise level. So if you keep on going and increase your expertise, speaking becomes easier. The other thing is just understanding that nobody goes to a presentation hoping that the speaker sucks. Right. They're all cheering you up. Yeah. They all want you to perform really well. And they don't notice that you're actually nervous. So go up, speak to a friend and just have fun with it. And I'll tell you what, energy and enthusiasm can overcome lack of knowledge. Like, so if you go up there and you're high Amen. energy and you're so excited to be there, people will be like, man, that was a great presentation. What was it about? I have no idea. I didn't learn anything, but it was good. And sometimes people are just looking for some entertainment. So if you have expertise, and the enthusiasm, you're gonna be absolutely fantastic. World domination. Yeah. That's literally what uh, a similar message that I gave to our 100 attendees, which we do these elite training workshops. These are regional trainings. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the same content and the same feedback. And again, it's just the energy, the enthusiasm. And of course, you teach them where they come, they were just retained a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for our, well, most of us are fitness pros watching this, like if you go to a, a session, People want the high energy enthusiasm in a session. They don't want monotone, and even if it's like more sciencey and stuff like that, they want the energetic, enthusiastic person who makes them feel good because they're probably coming into that session with not a lot of energy. Maybe they don't like exercise. Maybe they had a rough day. Maybe they're super tired. They know they're only there because they know they should be doing it. And if you can come and transfer some of the energy over to them, they're gonna be able to get into the workout better, have an amazing session. Um, even if you're an expert and you're boring, eventually they'll get into the session and have a good session, but it's a whole lot better when you can bring that energy and transfer it. Totally, and what we say at Fit Body Bootcamp is you need to enter train your clients. Oh, totally, so. totally. All right, so Craig, so we talked about presenting, salesmanship, um, copywriting. Oh, right, yeah, for, so, fourth, uh, so the fourth one is leadership and you don't necessarily have to be a salesperson. Um, you know, say leadership is sales. It is. But you don't have to actually be taking the, the credit cards and that sort of stuff in the leadership role. You can lead a team of trainers. You can lead a team of salespeople. So that's mostly what I do now. I don't do our phone sales. I don't do a lot of our coaching. I, don't, I do some, but not a lot. Um, what I do is I lead mm-hmm. the people And that's obviously a high income skill. If you're leading a team of people who are going out and you've replicated yourself in Mm -hmm. that, then you're gonna be able to generate a lot more income. There's obviously, you know, superstars like Matt Wilbur, Mm -hmm. who is an amazing leader. He's replicated himself on the training floor. He's replicated himself in the sales and marketing. That's allowed him to have so many locations. And now what he does is leadership. He's not doing, uh, working in the business. So leadership is key. And you can link to, I think I interviewed Matt, one of our first episodes. So if you didn't watch that episode, link to one of the first, and you can get some content straight from Matt as well. Absolutely. And then the, the fifth one is investing. So now, you know, you've learned to sell. And so you've built your income and you've learned to do copywriting and you've grown your income even more. And now you're able to take your salesmanship and do it through speaking, videos, online, and all that sort of stuff. And now you're doing presentations in front of 500 people and you're getting more people into your gyms and all that sort of stuff. And now you're leading a team and you're teaching them everything that you know. And now you've got some cash, Mm -hmm. right? Now you've got some cash. What are you gonna do with it? Now, if you, you know, like the first few years of my business career, I didn't do great things with my cash. I didn't do stupid things. I just didn't do smart things with my cash. I let a lot of it sit there uh, too long. Um, 
And so I could have done better things. I didn't do stupid things, but I could have done better things. And so obviously you want your money to go out and work as hard for you. you as you are working for it. Yep. So real estate investing for so many reasons, um, understanding that there's, there's, you know, most people think, oh, I'm gonna go and buy a house and rent it out, or I'm gonna go and buy a house and flip it. It's probably not the best use of your time. It's probably getting into like stuff like multifamily real estate. Mm -hmm. um, there may be a case for you owning the property in which your gym is in. It might not be the best idea, for, but it might be. For me, I've done that once and it's worked extre extremely well. But yeah. to your point, it just depends on the situation. Right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you gotta be really, really smart. It's not just, you know, just don't go and buy a rental property. Like, if you overpay for it, you'll, you will have made a bad investment. Mm -hmm. So, there's the real estate investment side and there's a million other things that you can invest in. But of course, at the end of the day, making sure to invest in yourself is always gonna be a great investment. Um, whether it's more leadership skills, sales skills, whatever it is, obviously depends on where you are in your journey. Mm -hmm. But Warren Buffett says that investing in yourself is the greatest investment that you can make. And I certainly agree that it is one of the best. So I'm not an expert in investments, but I will say that it can definitely increase your wealth. And this, this is where you need to be around the people who know. Mm -hmm. Don't rush in to, um, any investment deals, do your due diligence. Don't be afraid to sound stupid and ask a lot of questions. And don't only interview one person as your financial advisor or whatever it is. You gotta go and 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 learn and you know it's it's definitely more learning than becoming a personal trainer, but if, uh, if you do have some cash, you gotta learn what to do with it properly, for yeah. sure. And really just like understand the investment, because I feel like a lot of people just jump into something because it's the hot tip of the day. Right. You really, before you part ways with your hard-earned dollars, should understand what you're investing in. Yeah, so Warren Buffett has this thing called the circle of competence, and, and so he only invests in things where he totally understands it, mm -hmm. and he totally knows where it's going, and that's why he's able to make great investments most of the time, but even he gets them wrong mm -hmm. from time to time. It's just like in hiring and leadership, every company has made a bad hire. Nobody's perfect at hiring. Nobody's perfect at picking their next CEO. Like even McDonald's screwed up, you know, five years ago or something, they hired a guy who got sued for sexual harassment. Like sure. a company like that can go wrong. Everybody can go wrong. So don't beat yourself up if you make a mistake, but just understand that the more background work you've done, the better off you're gonna be. Yeah. All right, Craig, I got one key other kind of topic that I wanna go through before we move to the lightning round. Um, and I think something that you do incredibly well, and you touched upon it with the intro, um, but one of them is building authority. And Dr. Cialdini, sure. uh, the book wrote a book called Influence, I think you introduced me years ago. Um, one of his six weapons of influence is building authority. Yeah. And you know, you're on, you know, you've written articles for Men's Health. I just feel like you've written a lot of publications that have gotten featured at big authority building websites, which then has leveraged in increased your authority. So, you know, could you talk to our audience on basically some strategies on how to build more authority for them, getting publications, et cetera? Yeah, well, first of all, what's really important to understand is that it doesn't take much to have some authority, right? Like if, if you're on the local news, the local radio, like that's enough, especially for a local fitness business. You don't need to be in Men's Health Magazine or this, that, or the other thing. You just need, it's almost like that, that phrase, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Like, you just need to be up an authority level on the, on the ladder compared to most people. If you make videos on Instagram or YouTube, most people are, are terrified. They'll never make a video in their entire life. The fact that you went and made a video gives you authority status. YouTube now, I mean, that's basically TV to most people. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you are making any of that video content is huge. You can manufacture your own authority, celebrity, credibility. It doesn't need to come bestowed upon you from anywhere else. I got super lucky. And then once I had the opportunity to get into Men's Health Magazine at such a young age, I definitely capitalized on it. I'm, it allowed me as an introvert to make many more connections because, hey, I'm Craig Valentine from Men's Health. That opens a lot of doors. So you have to then think, all right, I was on the local television channel. What can I do that, do with that? How can I use that? How can I use that to make connections with nutrition shops or massage uh, places where they're gonna be like, oh, wow, we connected with that, that 
you know, famous trainer who's on TV, we're happy to, you know, do some type of have you come in and speak to our people. That's what you're looking to do with it. That's mm -hmm. that's really what it is. Because if you get on the news and never do anything with it, it's worthless. For nothing. Yeah, yeah uh, it's it's often like the, there's a it's be not believed, but there's like these stories about people that that get on Oprah and they think that getting on Oprah is going to be the thing that gives them all these sales, but it's not. It's what you do with being on Oprah that gets you the sales. And so you have to leverage any credibility you have. And again, the cool thing is, is that you don't need as much as you think you need. You just need to use what you have better. Speaking of Oprah, though, I think our mutual friend or someone in your influence that was introduced by B, uh, from B to me, Cameron Harold. Yeah. Um, Their Kenny, company was Kenny on. Got, yeah. And he, that's literally what he says. It wasn't the fact that actually no one saw us on Oprah, like in the right. grand scheme of things, but we leveraged that and that actually became a huge marketing tool for yeah, us. Yeah. He has, uh, Cameron Harold has a book called on PR that he just recently. Free PR. Free PR. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, it's just what you make of it. And it's the same with, like now, if you know an influencer who will have you on their their page, like that's key. I had Grant Cardone once answer one of my questions or you know repost me or something, and I leveraged that, like just a repost from an, a bigger influencer, and it led to to things. So one of the things that we're doing recently that can be used by everybody watching is we started doing Instagram live interviews with our clients. And we've already gotten clients, new clients, who were just watching the Instagram Live. And hardly anybody actually watches an Instagram Live, but yeah. we save the Instagram Live and then we use it as Instagram TV. And now we give our, our clients a little bit of moment in the sun, but now that gives the authority. And we've got these interviews and these testimonials on social media that we can put on YouTube and we can use rerun on Instagram and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, we are way beyond TV being the only area oh, yeah. of authority. Oh, and yeah. so we all have a ton of channels. Just go out there, video, if you can do it, if you, if you are brave enough and it doesn't take a lot of bravery to do video, but if you commit to it, you can build the authority that no one else is going to bestow on you. And you could send 500 letters to the TV station in your town. They'll never get you on. But if you put that same time into making videos, you'll get a whole lot out of it. Golden. Yeah. All right, Craig, this was incredible, man, like tons of value. I learned a lot, let alone our audience. Um, I want to shift down to the lightning round, which is the last opportunity to give some value if you're up for it. We are. All right, so you are in the business of giving incredible advice, being a high-performing coach. Um, what would you say is the best advice that you've ever received and why? Man, put your ego aside and ask for help. Uh, very difficult for me still, way more difficult years ago, but you don't know everything. Uh, nobody knows everything, and so, yeah, you can Google things, and you can read books, but getting the practical advice from somebody who's like just a few steps ahead of you, um, especially recently, is just go and ask for help, because people love to be asked for help, and so I'm, I'm a big believer in going to masterminds and stuff like that, and going to big seminars and events, but I, instead of you know hearing somebody speak on stage for a second about general topics, I'd much rather find a way, whether it's through Instagram direct messaging or talking to them after or paying them for their time, I'd rather just ask one person my specific questions because it's so specific to me. So put your ego aside and ask for help. Beautiful. Uh, next question that's interesting, being you know labeled by your clients as the most disciplined man in the world. Um, habits are foundational to any success. What would be a habit that you've picked up over the years that really moved the needle for you? Getting to bed on time is probably one of the most important because if you don't get to bed on time, like everybody thinks, oh, you know, getting up and not hitting snooze is probably like the most important habit of you know, to get you on the roll. But if you don't get to bed on time, it becomes very difficult to get up on time. Uphill battle. Yeah. So when I had my first job out of college, um, you know, before it was around the personal training time, like if, if you go to bed late, you're going to wake up so tired and so miserable the next day. And you're going to say, oh, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. And then, you know, that night you're up late uh, because of all the temptations in the world, but just get to bed on time. And trust me, like if you can't get to bed on time, I have millionaire clients can't but get to bed on time, but when they do, they're more successful. And so we're working on those basics every single day with so many of my clients still. 
Awesome. Uh, next up, passion. Uh, I feel like passion is an ingredient for success. Uh, and you know, for the here and now and in today's day and age, what's one of the biggest things that you're passionate about and why? My, my, one of my biggest things in terms of the business is just making life easier for people. Like there's, there's so many ways that people make things hard on themselves. You know, they let other people into their head. They do things the hard way. They work too many hours or they exercise too many hours when there's a scientifically proven way to shortcut it. It's not a shortcut that's like an easy button, mm -hmm. but no, like you're gonna have to work harder in some ways to be more successful, but it's gonna take less time than you think. So I'm passionate about helping people get more results in less time. Awesome. This is a tough one. Uh, what was your lowest entrepreneur moment and uh, how'd you overcome it? I would say that probably when I had my first and second anxiety attacks. So I was like, actually, I was in the best shape of my life. I was making more money than I ever had in my life. And yet, for some reason, at age 29 or 30, I had anxiety attacks. So it was like a constant feeling of having a heart attack. It was tight chest, elevated heart rate, tingles from the top of my head down to the end of my fingertips, couldn't breathe very well. And like, I gave up and went to the emergency room twice because Jeez. it was so intense. And I remember I was, inter I was writing for Oxygen Magazine at the time, and I remember I had just had one of those anxiety attacks, and I was home, and I was feeling better, and I was interviewing this fitness expert. I just remember feeling like such a hypocrite because we were talking about healthy living and all this stuff, and here I was like binge drinking on the weekends and then having anxiety attacks, and I was like, you know, I'm just so glad this person doesn't know the truth about me. And that was, that was pretty lame and pretty weak, and so um, you know, went through that for about six month period then then fix that sort of stuff and then I, it led me to a lot of better habits which allowed me to have much more success in life so you know as i look back i can laugh on it now like i'm not embarrassed about it or anything and hopefully everybody looks back on their struggles and just take the positive lesson like you can't do anything else other than take the positive lesson like i'm not one of those people who says everything happens for a reason i don't believe that but but if everything happens, make it happen for a reason. Make, make there be a reason for it. I don't believe that either, and I definitely believe what you just said, so yeah. well done. All right, a couple more um, book recommendations. You've written uh, two books that uh, I've gotten a lot of value from, uh, Unstoppable and The Perfect Day Formula, and your new book, which I also hit in the intro, yep. uh, Perfect Week Formula. Yep. So a shameless plug for, for those three. Um, yep. Aside from those, uh, what would be uh, a book recommendation for our audience and why? Yeah, so I saw Tim Grover over the weekend. Tim Grover's written a couple of books. Relentless is a book that I read three times. I think I reread it again last year. Um, but when I got out of the fitness industry and went fully into coaching in like 2016 or 17, it wasn't easy at first because like all of a sudden you, like I stopped all of my income from fitness, which was a lot of money. And it was switching over to getting the coaching business going and it wasn't easy. And there were days where I'd wake up and I'd be like kind of down in the dumps. And so I'd read three pages of Relentless and I was ready to run through the wall to get to the next level. So Tim's book, and I told him this this weekend, man, it was such a huge impact on me. I've bought over 600 copies of that book for people and it's helped a tremendous amount of people. So I highly recommend that book. It's a great mindset book. It's an entertaining book. Oh yeah. I mean, most people watching this probably enjoy sports. I wasn't a huge basketball fan, um, still not, but uh, you know, everybody knows Kobe and, and Michael, so they get a lot, of, a lot of value out of that one. Yeah, I think top three books of, my, of all time for me, and I, I listened to that book probably six times and the world was like breaking down last year with yeah. COVID. Uh, so huge, huge recommendation. Yeah, I tell people to, um, when they're going through tough times, to put Man Up, Unstoppable by, by me, uh, Relentless, on program repeat. Just listen to them. And once you've done them all, listen to them again. And you'll ingrain those habits and mindsets into yourself. Now you gotta take action and, and build your confidence, but those, those will get you out of some tough times for sure. Cool. Yeah. All right, Craig, two more. Um, what is a unique value bomb that uh, a fitness professional or fitness coach should know, um, but for whatever reason they don't, or at least they don't execute? like in business or in training or what? It could be both. Okay, so so I really truly believe that, um, and I've seen this happen, I've seen people get injured in the gym in the morning because their trainer was too aggressive on exercises 
and they hurt their low back. So most people need to understand that the low back is at the greatest risk of injury first thing in the morning. Because when you sleep at night, the discs between uh, the bones fill up with fluid. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever seen somebody hurt their back simply by bending over, it's because they bent over and the discs were full of fluid and they got pinched and you end up with a pinched nerve in your back or you herniated disc. That's what happens. And so you're in actually much greater risk of that early in the day. So, you know, even if, if you're a personal trainer gets up at like four o'clock in the morning, do your workout, just be careful for your low back first thing in the morning. And usually after about a couple hours, the fluid has kind of um, gone out of the disc and they're back to normal size. And so you won't have as many disc injuries. Dude, man, I have lower back issues. It's probably because I work out first thing. Yeah, like if somebody's waking up and like banging out crunches first thing in the morning, it's, it's, it's not very good for your back. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, uh, what would be your last piece of parting wisdom to our audience who's interested in fitness, business, entrepreneurship that will just better their lot uh, in any of those? Yeah, so you know, so we're all chasing money and stuff, and that's cool um, because hey, listen, you, you know, you got to have money to eat. I've been, as the old saying goes, I've been rich and I've been poor, and I'd much rather be rich than mm -hmm. poor. And but but you know, chasing money and stuff is great, and you know, there's certainly some good stuff that comes of it. But at the end of the day. You know, when you're 90 years old, sitting in your artificially intelligence-powered rocking chair and looking back on life, it's not going to be the money and stuff. It's going to be the people and experiences that you remember. Like if you if you just sit there and I say, "Hey, tell me about some of your best memories," they're going to be childhood memories. They're, they're not going to be about, "Oh, when I bought that car." Or like nobody's going to say, "When I bought that car," but they're going to say, "Oh, you know, when when I took the kids to their first you know trip to the lake house and they jumped off a cliff or whatever it is." safely, um, you know, that, that was one of the best memories. And so it's people and experiences, not money or stuff. And the cool thing is though, for fitness professionals, like we are in the double bonus here because the more people we help mm -hmm. and the more you know, experience we give them through great workouts and stuff like that, the more money and stuff we get. So people and experiences first, um, and if you do it the right way, you'll get more money and stuff. And the more money and stuff you have, the more people and experiences you get to enjoy. And, and it's a virtuous cycle. Boom. Yeah. Dude, tons of value, my friend. Thank you so much. Before you shoot, uh, where can our audience connect with you? Oh, I'm on Instagram all the time. Real Craig Ballantyne on Instagram. Hit me up. I'll, uh, I'll see the direct message and respond back to you. And, uh, and I'm happy to send everybody the digital copies of my books, the audiobooks, ebooks. We give them out for free because. I didn't write those books not to be read or listened to, so I want to get you a copy. Love it. Craig, man, uh, before we shoot, I just want to thank you. I want to acknowledge you, not only for being on the show, uh, but just for being an awesome dude and a friend and a mentor. Um, I've learned so much for you throughout the years, and uh, even today, uh, you know, there's always something new that I pick up. Awesome. Uh, you've had an incredible influence on my, my life, my business, and uh, the, the circle of influence that I've been able to impact. And... Um, you know, you send out these weekly coaching, uh, which we were talking offline that, uh, man, I only respond about once every 60 days or so, but I just get so much value, but I do just, so I wanna uh, acknowledge and let you know that I do. And um, I just think that uh, you've helped a lot, of, a lot of people. You've definitely helped, helped me, and I wanna acknowledge you for that, and thank you for being on the show. Awesome, dude, you're just getting started. Best is yet to come. You got it, brother. <laughs> well, friends, I know you got a ton of value. Assuming you did, uh, friendly reminder, give us a like and subscribe on YouTube and write an awesome review on iTunes that we can keep producing this content for free. Uh, that's all we got for today. And thanks again, Craig. Hi.